Hello everybody and welcome to The Subtle Storm. Today we're going to be talking about age regression. How to realize that that's what's happening for you, how to cope with it, how to accept it, learn how to consciously embrace it, and how to work with it in relationships. I'm not going to go super, super in-depth. I'm kind of just going to cover all the basic topics among all of those, maybe not even all of those. Um, And if anybody else wants additional information, feel free to contact me and we can do a second episode on it. But I wanted to do an episode on this, I realized, today because nobody really talks about age regression in the media or even interpersonally, at least in my experience with it. Um, And a lot of times when we research it or we try to find information on it, it is a lot of the time more negative oriented or, you know, there's, there's stigmas around it. We don't hear the most positive things about it, especially if we have this trait. Um, a lot of times growing up with it, people often like kind of ridicule you for experiencing it or don't know how to like empathize with you. Um, or there's also the other side of it where a lot of it is linked to mental illness, such as bipolar disorder. A lot of the research that I've done around it is always around BPD. And it's hard to navigate that information without, like, considering yourself as that if you aren't. So today we're going to kind of talk about, like, the gist of it. Um, And we're also going to be talking about it in regards to kink and BDSM a little bit. So what age regression really is, it's basically unconsciously reverting back to childhood. You can have certain different um, developmental stages um, that kind of come out for you, but usually it's in regards to being triggered or trying to, like, search out for um, a defense mechanism. Um, Well, it is a defense mechanism, but trying to search out for, like, a coping mechanism from early childhood that felt soothing then um, to soothe current stressors in your life. And a lot of times this happens, like, as a result to trauma or triggers, Um, but it can also result to different emotions such as, like, fear or insecurity or even just stress. Um, I know for me personally, I'm going to talk a lot about myself today, but for me personally, um, certain levels of attention or like lack of it, um, kind of make me revert back to certain ages. Um, for me, it's really like two to four, I want to say, and I have become more comfortable with this for reasons I will talk about later. Um, but those are the times that I particularly see it. And part of, like, working with it is, you know, witnessing those things. But we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. So a lot of times this kind of happens as a result of being neglected in certain ways in childhood or often not being accepted at the age that you were presenting in that time period. I know for me personally... um, a uh, frequent experience that I had was being told to, you know, either act your age or, um, you know, that you're, you need to be more mature for your age. And I think that's a frequent experience that a lot of people, um, that age regress have experienced. And also it develops this like challenging concept around age because, um, within that experience, you're not accepted at the age that you are. So you're trying to figure out, 
um, ways to like work around that and to be the age that you are desired to be from your caregivers or, you know, your, your primary attachment figures at that time period to kind of present to them and how to be like presentable to them. You know, a lot of our lives are really, you know, in early development, but more so adolescents are realizing the things that our parents have taught us or our, you know, guardians, whatever it is, um, realizing those things that they taught us and how to take in that information and change ourselves, um, which is actually somewhat being inauthentic, but it is also taking in our full experience of, you know, what they have presented to us and what we've learned from outside experiences and presenting it to them and other outside interpersonal people to deem ourselves as lovable to them based off their preferences that they have projected onto us and then therefore you know we do that onto other people um or even we become you know super hyper aware of their like preferences and things like that so then we turn that into being super hyper aware and empathetic towards other people's needs and wants and desires (laughs) Another common way that this develops in early childhood is if we had to kind of parent ourselves. So, you know, if maybe we had a neglect, this is, you know, shows the neglect aspect of it. If we had a parent that abandoned us, maybe emotionally abandoned us or tried to care for us, but couldn't actually. And we're trying to pick up on things at that period of time to soothe ourselves to, you know, find way to feel comforted at that time but we also had to adult for ourselves or for even the people around us um and sometimes later in life that can become age regressing you know you have this like gap of like attention and gap of you know love or nurturing at that time so later in life when we become somewhat aware of it it might come in as us trying to nurture ourselves in a way that would have felt soothing at that period that we had to be more of a parent to ourselves and more adulting to ourselves um this can also like i said happen from deep traumatic events so maybe something happened at a really young age or started happening at a young excuse me, at a young age and at that period of time and your body was so shocked. And that's another way that we're reparenting our nervous system or even that we feel subconsciously that we had a gap of adolescence. And so later in life, you know, we kind of, or not even later in life, throughout the time period to getting to later life, um, we develop these coping mechanisms that would have soothed that age or that, that time that that traumatic event happened. And a lot of times when you think about when you're regressing or, you know, why you are at certain moments, you're going to find the answers within that. And part of coping and dealing with age regression is allowing ourselves to be aware of what's happening. You know, start patternizing, asking yourself when you start noticing that you're regressing and when you know, watching for when it happens and asking yourself, what is happening right now? Where am I? Like, what age am I at this moment? At this age, what happened? What triggered me in this moment that reminded me of childhood? What in particular is striking to me right now? And we will always be able to find those answers, but the problem is it's not that easy (laughs) always. A lot of times age regression is unconscious, so 
It can be patterns of the way that we have learned to cope, such as somebody bringing a teddy bear with them everywhere they go, and in their mind it has been deemed as normal for them because that's the way that they cope. But to other people around them, it might not be as normal. And then, you know, once we realize that, we kind of go through this cycle of realizing and understand, but we also might not recognize that. And so that's another way that I want to say that, you know, psychotherapy really comes into play. If you want to work through these habits with yourself, the best thing to do, or any of these, any anything, you know, that we find challenging our life and triggering and whatnot, or even just in general, I think that everybody should go to, to therapy. But I definitely think for something like this, you know, the wounds aren't in the regressing. The regressing is the defense mechanism. It's the coping mechanism that allows us to feel safe in moments where it wasn't always safe. Um, and it's trying to, you know, not get killed. <laughs> the brain, the not get killed device. I love that metaphor. But your brain is trying to soothe itself in some way. So we have to learn what we're soothing from, you know, what we're trying to actually soothe, what's underlying in there. Um, Part of that is going to therapy and getting different types of healing techniques, coping mechanism techniques, and, you know, awarenesses and observational and analytical skills of ourselves to be able to observe ourselves. Part of this healing is being able to look outside of ourselves and say, I see what's going on right now. Maybe I even want to stop and sit down with my inner child for a second and ask what's going on. Part of this healing is so crucial to being able to understand the conscious and subconscious and the coping and the defense and the trauma signals that are happening and being able to pause in that moment and understand. But there's a difference between conscious and unconscious regression, and this is my favorite part about this, because unconscious regression is that defense mechanism. It is that coping mechanism, unconscious coping mechanism that kind of separates you a lot of the times from the people around you or even separates you from you in those moments. Conscious regression can also look like being little (laughs) or in little space, which may be also an unpopular opinion, but it's how I personally view it. And I might have talked about this before. I feel like I have as I'm saying it, but I'm not sure. Either way, if we get to a point with ourselves within our age regression and we recognized recognize like how it happens, where it stems from, you know, the things that we're working on to work through those things in the long run and being able to pause in those moments, being able to communicate it is a big thing, which I'll get into. Um, you know, being able to communicate it, being able to express to somebody what's happening so that they can understand instead of judge. Um, you know, relieving that judgment even on yourself is a big part of this transition is, you know, because I think, you know, once we recognize that it's an unconscious pattern happening, sometimes we can feel shame for it, especially because it's not as common. But working through that shame and then working through that not judging yourself allows you this open playing field of maybe a potential kink that we can use or even just, you know, a habitual thing that feels good for us. You know, for example, we see older individuals with stuffies or teddy bears and things like that and we accept it. If they are, you know, 
<laughs> conscious in themselves and confident in themselves to be able to do that and say, yeah, this is me. You know, that's in a way conscious regression is recognizing that. The, I mean, I'm not trying to like littleize teddy bears and things like that. I think everybody of all ages, but that's also ageist in some way to assume that because somebody is playing with something that you know is like a teddy bear that that is deemed young. But it's also different when somebody is drinking out of a sippy cup or wearing diapers. Those are way more like stigmatized things and can also, I think, in some ways feel maybe like pedophile-y. So there's a difference between all those things. You know, there's a difference between being a pedophile versus, you know, enjoying those things for being, for self-soothing. Enjoying those things for coping and using it as a tool. Um, you know, so once we gain that, that consciousness in ourselves to when it's unconscious, being able to have a grip on it, communicate it, understand it, love it, show it compassion. And it, the, the really biggest thing is communication. If you don't understand what's going on and you aren't able to communicate it to somebody, it's unconscious. But if you're able to communicate what's happening to somebody or to yourself, um, but to somebody, you know, there's a level of understanding and, um, you know, observation in there that allows you to even work through that in itself or it shows that you're working through it. So that unconscious level needs to be understood and addressed. And then we can move to saying this particular activity or this particular item feels good for me. It feels soothing for me. It's helpful. You know, it's a safe haven for me. It allows me to be myself and express my feelings. It's another thing is, you know, it might be able to allow you to express feelings, might be allow you to, to open up different doors that might not really be helpful. I know for me, for example, sometimes like when I'm overstimulated or there's a lot of things going on and maybe I'm really emotional, frustrated, heightened, things like that, I might become nonverbal and almost have like a kind of temper tantrum in a sense. And part of that is unconscious, um, but another part of that is conscious because afterwards I'm able to express what's happening and I understand what's happening while it's going on. I'm able to work through it with myself. No, I can't stay in that situation and that it feels good for me to be able to allow myself to be there physically, emotionally, verbally, whatever it is. Um, I have also had explicit conversations with my partner explaining what it is, what happens when that happens and allowing her to understand where I'm going, what I'm going through in those moments and why I'm doing that and why it's helpful for me to do that and what is helpful to receive in those and that's another big part of recognizing these things is in this conscious aspect of saying if you're going to work with me on this it's helpful to receive this or what I lacked in those moments was nurturing and I want to receive that it feels good for me to receive that um and that also kind of trickles down into kink part of little space and you know, daddy dom space or mommy space, whatever it is, is finding a way of nurturing and softness and gentleness and lovingness that allows the little to feel small and supported and loved and considered or whatever those core emotions that feel really good for them are. 
and communicating that and allowing it to receive really allows another space of working through those age regression moments. You know, I think kink is a really amazing way to work through different traumas. It's not a replacement for therapy. It is not, you know, a clinical session of any sort. It is personal and interpersonal, um, almost communication with our nervous system in some regard. And I'm not saying that, you know, age regression or being a little needs to be sexualized. It can be sensualized. And it can also be neither of those things. It can just be a healthy outlet for you. And that's a big part, I think, of age regression is viewing it as an outlet and working with the outlet in a way that's healthy for you and the people around you, that is conscious and that feels good for you. And um, <laughs> opening up that space is just... It's so healing. Um, also, you know, constantly affirming yourself that it's okay to present however you are and to experience how you... In, and just overall rewriting the narratives of whatever you've experienced in childhood that led up to those moments and reframing that in a literal physical sense with another person who is the same... who is a nurturing figure to you. With this, though, I also want to explicitly also say that there are boundaries to this. And there are also boundaries to BDSM as a whole of, you know, especially when it comes to public, is what I'm going to kind of go into. Um, there are boundaries in public that are acceptable and not acceptable. For example, if you feel like you need to have a tantrum or something like that, it is not appropriate to do that in public or in a space that would make people feel uncomfortable or, or you know, non-understanding. It's not going to be beneficial for you. It's not going to feel good. You're going to feel that, like, uncomfortability. Even if you feel good in the second that you're doing it, you're going to, you know, I'm gonna, maybe not. I'm, I don't need to project that on anybody. But at the same time, what I'm trying to say is there are certain limits to this concept that do need to be age-appropriate, and I hate that terminology, age-appropriate, but it's the best way to describe it here right now. You know, we... Part of age-aggressing unconsciously is doing it in moments that might not actually be appropriate for you or for people around you, which can be determined in your own perspective, in your own light. It's not my, you know, authority to even do that, but... The ways that we cope with this are in safe ways and safe spaces with safe people. By regressing in ways that aren't helpful to you or to your regression might continue to make it worse or continue to re-traumatize that part of your nervous system and make the regression worse or make it a more difficult navigation for you subconsciously and emotionally and mentally. So that's another part of the awareness that we do need to have within ourselves of how do we work through this to a conscious point so that we can also be conscious of when we regress to some extent. You know, we can never be fully conscious of when it happens. And I also think that there's okay to be a level of regression that does happen in public. I don't think you need to fully, like, limit yourself. You know, if it happens there, it happens but there is a level that we need to be conscious of it not getting to. Like, for example, having a tantrum, screaming and crying on the floor and throwing things <laughs> at the supermarket. 
an appropriate way to handle that is feeling, I want to do this, I want to get down and cry, I want to throw things, you know, this is in your mind, I want to do this and that, but I know I can't, I know that's not appropriate, I know what's happening, and I'm going to limit it to maybe becoming nonverbal, maybe that'll feel good for me, maybe telling my daddy or my mommy or, um, you know, even your partner, whoever is with you, if they're aware of that regression, that, hey, I'm feeling like I need to regress right now, um, can we go sit in the car for a little bit so I can pout? Or can I have a hug right now? You know, there's other ways to regress and have those emotional needs met than actually doing the regression that your body wants to take. Um, and I think it can be especially healing even to just say, I feel like I need to regress right now. Or I feel like I'm small right now. Or I want to be small. And even that is so powerful to say, I want to be small right now. I want to be a baby. I want to I cry or I want to, you know, do those things. Being able to consciously communicate that and say, I want to do this or, you know, how can we, like, work with this together right now? And I think that also, you know, you might not be thinking, you might be thinking of, I don't have anybody in my life that is going to be there like that for me. You never know. People might be more supportive than you think. But at the same time, we can also do this with ourselves. You know, if we feel like that in the grocery store, we can say, okay, I'm going to leave right now. Maybe I'll try another grocery store and I'll sit in the car for a little bit. If you don't feel like it's comfortable to go back in or even just saying I'm gonna pout by myself for a second or put on a mask and pout in your mouth in your mask or hug yourself for a second or maybe just even crouch down like you're looking for something and crouch into your knees and just feel yourself for a second you know there's ways the primary need a lot of the time in these dynamics and with yourself is needing nurturing so the best way to to cope with this is really allowing yourself to nurture yourself to say I love myself enough to nurture myself in a way that I know that I need right now but again all of this takes a conscious level of understanding of self and observation of self to get to <laughs> this isn't just going to magically happen and I can't really support you all the way to go to this point but again therapy is a great way to do so but that's the better way to handle those situations um, we are absolutely able to control the regressions and be mindful of them and be communicative of them. It is a thousand percent possible. And it is okay to also accept love and relationships in your life that accept that as well. I know when me and my partner first started getting into this and really working through it, it was really hard for me to even express that I what was happening. You know, there was nights where um, I tend to regress around um, family, which is also a really frequent occurrence for people. We don't always realize that, like, our parents or, like, certain members of our family make us feel smaller or make us feel younger. Anyway, <laughs> think about that, maybe for yourself. Um, but a lot of times with my family, especially my father, I tend to regress and do the attention-seeking behaviors. Um and I'm aware of them, but I wasn't always as aware of them as I was when we first started dating. And it was definitely, like, um, something I had to learn. It, it made me more aware of it because there was another person who I wanted to understand me and I wanted to communicate with, but I couldn't understand what was happening for me in that moment. But I did at the same time because I was familiar with the habit and with the behavior. 
So I sat with myself and I asked myself and then I learned to communicate with her. And I think even at that time I was like, I don't know, I just get like that sometimes or like I get a little bit extra hyper and I've always done that. And a lot of the narratives with that is like, you know, you're so weird, you're so like odd or childish and you know, you're immature or things like that. And it's always weird, especially getting that on the contrary narrative of like, you're so mature, you're so old, you know, old for your age, or you know, you're so mature for your age, things like that can feel very confusing and can also push regression further. But anyway, it took me a long time to recognize what was going on, maybe not that long. But once we started like recognizing it and talking about it, there was a long period of me feeling very uncomfortable and feeling very guilty and shameful for doing those actions. But the more that she accepted them outwardly and communicated to me that she even enjoyed it, she loved that part of me, she loved to nurture that part of me, and she wanted to continue our BDSM dynamic in around that, it was so healing and it continues to be healing. But it has allowed me to accept it and more thoroughly understand it and seek ways to work with it and so finding those people that feel supportive for you and care about those things and you're able to talk to about it really make a big big difference you know it's always great to do work by yourself I think you know I think we go out in the world alone and we live technically we live our life alone regardless so you know But at the same time, it's amazing to have people around you that feel good and feel accepting and loving of you for who you are and all aspects of it, even if it's different and even if it's not normal or not, I'm not saying not normal because I do think it's normal actually, Um, but not accepted or maybe like stereotypes or stigmatized, I should say. So with that, I conclude today's episode Basically, I'm trying to invite you to be more loving and accepting of yourself if you do feel like you encounter this. And allow yourself space to grow within it and love yourself. Give yourself the nurturing and the love that you maybe never received or maybe don't even allow yourself to receive. I think a big part of this is that, you know, we don't even give ourselves the actual love so we're looking for externally and a big part of working through that could be acknowledging that we deserve love too and we deserved the love that we never received in youth and so I honor you for joining this episode if you did thank you so much I welcome you on your journey and I support you I love you and you are loved and appreciated (laughs) thank you namaste